Yes, I decided to play the most random music today, so hope you enjoy it. Just like that, Joe join us into the stage. How are you, Joe? Well, I'm happy it's Friday, but got some some bad news. I'm sure Tank and uh, Lee over there and um, Wolfman probably feel my pain today. But um, I just watched Happy Gilmore last weekend, and the uh, one of my favorite actors of all time uh died today so i'm very uh i'm I'm in mourning for the next couple of days mm, yeah i don't know who he is no idea obviously but yeah <laughs> that hurts dude i was so in shock with oh gosh okay give me give me one sec one sec i actually it's don't know what that day. song was you were playing either so i guess we're even it's okay. I was like, why not Kesha from whatever? No, but I was so shocked with uh, Matthew Perry died as well because he was uh, one of the uh, characters from France, which is my favorite city ever. Uh, so yes, I guess I can un understand the pain. I, don't know, I guess that, I guess that's kind of the same thing. <laughs> but yeah, no, Carl Weathers was a, an actor from like the seventies up until recent times. He was in a lot of TV shows and. Um, he was in a lot of cool stuff, and in his old age, he actually looked very young. And I, I just saw him on a commercial the other day. I watched Happy Gilmore. I think last Saturday I watched Happy Gilmore, and I just never could believe how it looked like he was the same age now as when I was a kid. But anyway, he was like 70. I think he was like 75 or 77 years old. And uh, I don't know. Very very sad, very sad. Rock, rock, the Rocky movies are my favorite, favorite movies of all time. So it's just... Uh, uh, he's the second one in the last year from the Rocky movies that died. But I guess maybe I'll call out of work on Monday. Make me feel better. Yeah, it's going to be amazing when you explain at work why you're taking the day off. That's exactly right. It's like, I'm, no. I say, you know what? I get. I'm feeling so bad about I get four this. bereavement days. So 
he's not an immediate family member, but I could use one, I think. But his ah, uh, I just was watching Rocky Rocky clips before the, before the space, so I can't even like sit down right now. I'm like amped up, amped up. So, but anyway, dude, you went really deep oh, down man. with the feeling. You know, as I have one of those friends who um, and we could start right after this. I know people don't want to listen to this, but but I have a friend who he always knows the news like immediately, and he always texts everyone news. And it's always bad news. And um, I, he texted me a couple months ago when Burt Young died. That's another actor from the Rocky movies. And um, he texted me last night that one of my favorite musicians got arrested. And then he texted me today that, that uh, another one of my favorite actors died. I was like, damn, man. Guy never texts me unless it's either bad news or if he wants to go to a bar. It's, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. I love him so much here. Uh, I'm trying to send the mic to the good fellas. Maybe he's rugging or he's Could on be. a place was, with a lot of He knots. was rugging last time too, I think, or he was in a busy place. But um, before we get him up here, I wanted to um, – can I run through some crypto data, some, some NFT data? that I'm reading off of crypto slam. It'll give people a chance to file in. Then we could do introductions and then move into the, um, into the fun. I stuff. mean, absolutely. Is that cool? All right. So, um, I'm looking at crypto slam. We're going to look at quick data, 24 hours, seven days, 30 days. I like to look at it over a 30 day period and Ethereum NFTs. It's the first time in a while. They're actually, have done more sales than the Bitcoin inscriptions. So Ethereum NFTs in the last 30 days, $350 million in sales, which is unbelievable. However, however, according to this website, um, it looks like they're estimating about 50% of its wash trading. <laughs> so, so it says 49% wash trading. I don't know why, I don't know why it's profitable to wash trade on Ethereum. I guess it is. Otherwise people would not do it. But yeah, Ethereum is number one. Bitcoin, not too far behind number two. Bitcoin, I don't know if it's much harder to track wash trading on Bitcoin, but it has less than 1% in wash trading. And then Solana is number three. Polygon surging as well. Polygon's up 48% in total sales from last month. Avalanche, I, I don't know any NFT collections on Avalanche, but maybe it's worth taking a look at Avalanche for next week. Avalanche is number five. They passed Immutable X, which was in the top five for as long as I could remember checking this site. So there we go. Ethereum number one, Bitcoin two, Solana three, Polygon four, Avalanche five. And as we go down, Stargaze is 13, which is not bad. Stargaze um, cracked the top 15, I guess a couple of months ago. And they got, you know, bad kids are trading like crazy, trading like crazy. So there's some, some tidbits of NFT data for you. Yes, actually, before we jump into the space, I was seeing one post from Stargaze. Uh, let me see if I can bring it here. That he was, you know, like bad case is rocking sky. Right now we're on the, gosh, in English, ATH volume. Yes, ATH in Spanish. So Stargaze just hit over 2,400,000 market plate volume in January, which is big. If you check the graphic they place, I'm going to put it now in the Jumbotron. So 
not bad at all, to be honest. Like, really great, unexpected as well. I've been a bit disconnected, but I saw the movement and new people coming and buying bad keys as well. So, you know, obviously, if they're coming from Ethereum, uh, when they see a Stargaze and having zero has a gas fees, obviously, it's a win-win. Plus, also, on ETH, the prices are way more expensive in general. Yeah, and with I think the turning point for bad kids and Stargaze was when Stride bought into the project with their community pool. I don't know if you remember that, but Stride, I think bad kids were trading around like 500 bucks was the floor price. There was a proposal for on stride to buy like 30 bad kids at the floor. So, you know, 15,000 bucks. And I think after that, the supply on, um, on the marketplace, it really dried up. There was the, the supply was just dwindling. There are so many wallets that minted these things and just never moved them. So there's a lot of supply missing. And I was like, wow, supply is like really dwindling. And um, since then, I think the um, the um, floor price is like, what, close to 4,000 bucks. It's not bad. for Not bad for a platform that's pretty much regularly minting like five, six, seven dollar NFTs, right? Oh, yes, absolutely. But you're right. You know, like now when I was preparing the spreadsheets for the freemint and I had to go through all the collection and all the wallets, there are a lot from the beginnings that they haven't been active at all. You know, like if they join Stargaze, then I guess Luna happened and then they disappear because uh, they haven't been active again. You know, I'm not talking about this or anything, just checking the, the wallets, right? So, I don't know. I'm really hoping that now with more people getting attention, we can have more people joining as well. Yep. I'm really curious to know, like, how is that Stride decided to buy bad kids? Like, from where that idea came? I don't know. That's an interesting question. Yeah. But I guess we'll never I, know. We'll probably never know. But what I do know is that the bad kids artist is based in New York City and the Stride team is also based in New York City. So I'm sure they've run into each other because uh, there's a pretty big, yes. a pretty big meetup community in New York City for Polygon, Cosmos. Um, who else? Who else? Yeah. It's like th those two communities are pretty, pretty big with, with their IRL events. So like any day of the week I could go on and find something going on and it's a lot of uh it's not really bitcoin stuff it's mostly DeFi stuff so no that that makes sense completely well we can start i guess oh I'm my god sending you the mic, I, i'm sorry i just i just minted i minted happened? a pixel squid a one -on -one. no 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 i got the least rare oh. one i think <laughs> i got what well, how many is in the collection four thousand four hundred I got I got number four thousand three hundred something. <laughs> so I, I admit. See, that is what happened. I used all my luck. In, you use yeah. your luck to, exactly. You use all your luck already, and now, but they look pretty yeah, cool. I, to yeah, be honest, Pix, pixel arts come a long way. It really has. Yes. So anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt. You can continue. No, I just wanted to say that. Let's start. I'm still having issues with bring in the good fellas here but if you have information let's gonna jump in with it um you know my mind is melting hard it's been a long day from space to space so you know 
bear with me. I'm just going to say that. No problem at all. Um, we'll try to get good fellas up here. In the meantime, I'm going to share their links. When he gets up here, he's going to talk to us. And I told him he can come anytime between six and seven. So maybe he's just in a, he's not at his, uh, in a quiet place right now, but we could talk about them in a little bit. Cause I was with that project from the beginning. So I could speak to a little bit of it, but, um, basically the project is centered around ownership and making sure the artists get, get credit for the actual work. Right. So that's kind of what we'll, we'll talk about today. Yes, and if you can, you can start talking about them sure. as you have more experience, and maybe I can talk about. Yeah, you'll the probably know. Artist you'll part. know more than me about like the ownership stuff and the intellectual property. I know Signal is in the audience; he's another good person to talk to about it. Tank, I'm sure, as well. So, this is what happened: Solana Project um, art was awesome, absolutely awesome. One of my friends who is researching Solana Project, he goes, "Hey, look at this! This project they have connections to." Um, some movie studios. They're trying to do some stuff with, you know, movies and stuff like that. I said, okay, cool. I like them. I bought a couple at the floor. I think it was a free mint and they were trading for like, you know, 15, 20 bucks. So I bought a couple. And then I ended up buying like one of the top rarity ones. I guess I was feeling good one day and I bought like rank number like 20 out of like 10,000. So now I'm like involved in the project. I'm in the discord. I'm DMing with the founders and for whatever reason, I could never get the founder to come onto a space or even like have like a Zoom chat, anything like that, because I wanted to make content about Solana NFTs and I didn't know anything about them. Fast forward a couple of months, they completely rug, completely rug, absolutely just disappear off the face of the earth. Everybody's stuck with these NFTs. People are dumping them on the open market and on, on Magic Eden. However, a couple of community members tried to save the art. They didn't want to save the project. They wanted to save the art. And first thing what they did was they realized that the art was stolen and that the original artist did not. I don't think the original artist got paid for the art or the original artist was not getting the royalties like they were promised, something like that. So they petitioned Magic Eden to take the collection down completely after these community members, one of them in the audience now, um, um, obtained ownership over the art. And I don't know how they did that. Um, I don't think that's that matters right now. But they got ownership over the art, uh, petitioned Magic Eden to take down the collection because Magic Eden was basically profiting off of a rug pull that had stolen art. So they took it down. Those NFTs are worthless, and I have a couple of them. They're really cool, though. They jumpstart the project using, I think, the original artist and similar art although it's a little bit different and it, it became invite only you get invited you mint a bitcoin inscription that inscription you link to your solana wallet and then you have special privileges those special privileges include um very cheap mints for the collection and the collection is minting in it's it's going to be a big collection, but they're minting like 100 or 200 at a time. And then they're pausing the mint, building building up community, doing some other fun stuff. And then they'll open up the mint again, minting 100 or 200, something like that at a time. So I don't know if I lost you on any of that, but I think that's more or less what happened with this collection. And it was called Art of Mob. not Now it's called The Goodfellas. 
Yes, and actually we have them here with us. So good fellas, welcome. Perfect. Hope you're having a great Friday. Take your mic and yes, give us all the information. I don't know if you need me. Joe seems to be doing a pretty good job. Did I job, get everything? I, I'm just. <laughs> you did great, man. I, I was mean, involved, uh, especially. I was especially... talking with them in the Discord. I was. <laughs> I, was I, I made a video about about the, the the NFT staking that they had going on and all that, and um and then all of a sudden they were gone. So. Oh yeah, yeah, it was tough, man. I think I was, you know, I was one of uh, a few people holding, you know, quite a few pieces from that project and so you know it, it hurt to burn a lot of those pieces but the truth is it was the right thing to do the artist as you said uh did not get paid and there was was not even programmed in to receive royalties and received nothing and then when we look back through the project the even people who were helping with community management never got a penny so basically that I think that project traded up to 70 or 80,000 soul in volume and not a single penny went to anyone who was involved in helping sort out the community or create the artwork. And of course, you know, the founder ran off to where he ever, wherever he ran off to and no one has seen or heard from him since. Yeah. I <laughs> you mean, know? just, just on art alone, that project had a lot of merit and um, just had like founders that I guess just didn't really have a clue because they sounded like they were trying. It seemed like they were putting a lot of time in, but I just think maybe their expectations were unreasonable. And then it kind of, it turned into a rug after a while. Because if it was a rug, I think they would have left a lot sooner. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that their intentions were good. And I'll just say this off the top for most all of these projects that end rugging. A, we already know that many of the people who are quote unquote, and I use this term very loosely, founders are basically young people, younger people, immature people who haven't really been in the business world, don't know anything about investing, don't know anything about money, don't know anything about building an organization. And yet here they are, we're giving them a bunch of funds and they're making a bunch of promises. And of course there's zero accountability with the anonymity and all the rest of it. It just creates the perfect situation for people to just say, well, you know what, I'm having a bad day. I'm gonna run off and you guys, you know, take care. So, you know, where there's so much anim anonymity, there, there can never be that much responsibility. And I think it, it gets to the point where, you know, if you're involved in any community at all, you, you know the pressures. There's always this pressure to deliver. There's always this pressure to have something new, to have something coming out, this, that, and the other thing. And it comes a grind. And I think a lot of these guys, you know, to their credit, they give it an effort, but then the grind just becomes too much and they just mentally can't handle it. And at the end of the day, they just feel like they have to walk away for their own sanity. Yeah, it, I could definitely see how it is a lot, especially if um, if you're putting so much emphasis on on the social media aspect. If you're having a bad day, all the communications come off a lot more harsh than they than they otherwise would be in a normal conversation. And um, it did seem like they were like the found. It was like really only two two guys, I think, and. Um, they did they did host their own spaces but they never talked about their own project it was always like hosting other projects um you know that were wanted to get the word out and all that uh they did seem like they were putting pressure on themselves but either way they walk away um, i'm sure they did all right for themselves even though i'm pretty sure it was a free mint uh they they had a lot of potential like i said but let's fast forward to where we're at now we have the inscriptions 
that are basically identifying like like the hardcore original hundred or so community members who number one don't expect anything for free and are also want some um some respect for the artists and also longevity and i think it's like symbolic that the inscriptions was the first step to getting uh the project off the ground yeah that's true that's correct and i mean it just comes down to psychology i mean we i think we talked about this on one of your shows one time but you know if you look at the marketplace it's incredibly saturated and the amount of new ideas is almost nil there's almost none and so at the end of the day if you really dive into a lot of the nuts and bolts of most quote-unquote projects what you find is that it's a variation of something someone else has already done so in effect every time we launch a new project on solana or ethereum or pick your favorite chain nine times out of ten there's a mirror of it somewhere that looks very similar and it's like opening up a coffee shop across the street from a coffee shop you're just cannibalizing the users that would want to use that particular utility and because we're so young in the adoption curve i mean basically the entire market is early adopters we don't really have a general public that you can come in and dif differentiate from so you have basically creators selling to early adopters which is a very small population and what i see is just the population runs from project to project to project picking up free shit picking up you know whatever they can what's in it for me flipping it going to the next thing and then the only way to prevent that is to have someone who's actually invested and so the way that we set this up was hey we're going to build we're going to build slowly we're going to build with a small group of people a maximum of 100 bosses to start you know we'll open it up to we're not going to do the fake influencers i'm not going to do the you know reward you for your discord activity when you really don't care about what's happening in discord kind of a thing which is just all this silly false fake crap that people do to project this idea that oh my project's successful or oh my project is really you know causing a lot of eyebrows to raise and there's a lot of energy here no the truth is they're just they're just incentivizing this behavior with free shit and at the end of the day that's going to bring in the type of people who only want what they want and then they're going to move on to the next thing mm -hmm. so the gate coming into the project was an ordinal nice and, th and those are the bosses that he was talking about so that's correct those yeah. bosses are on bitcoin but the plan is to have a big collection on solana how many nfts for the i know you had other like open edition mints i think going on kind of like mm -hmm. fun stuff for the for the um for the bosses and for the people that got in early what's the plan for like the the main collection which i, I think you said a five or ten thousand piece collection yeah, so the main collection, as you said, is a, was originally a 10,000-piece collection, and we want to grow it to that. And what we did was we looked at the market and we said, okay, what are people doing? And what most people do, if they, if they know they can't sell out 10,000, they drop the, you know, 5555 or 4444 yep. or whatever tricky, tricky little number they like to do, right? And so we just said, well, that doesn't make any sense because, again, you're dumping a bunch of product on an already saturated market. So why don't we find a core group of people who actually give a shit that this thing is successful? And let's drop 100 at a time and make these people the whales of the project so that they can basically control the direction of the floor price and the direction of uh, the open market. 
And so that's basically what we've done. So we've innovated this batchment thing, which is I understand why people don't do it um, because it is a lot of extra work to mint 100 at a time and then have those pieces brought into a larger collection. But we sort of innovated this idea of a 100-piece batch mint, and inside each 100-piece batch, we have uh, ranked pieces. So there's an underboss. Again, this is all mafia themed. So there's an underboss, a consigliere, uh, hitman. There's a one of one. And the, the larger quest with the collection is to build a family of 100 pieces. So if you own a boss, you get your underbosses, you mint all the rest of your, your 100 pieces, you, you basically have created a, a whole family of earners. And what those pieces do when you stake them is you earn AU, which is our token. In AU, you'll be able to token mint for, for NFTs in the future. So basically, you're buying into something that's actually going to pay you free NFTs for life. Got it. And how many have you minted so far in the batches? <clears throat> was like 300 something? We've we minted three batches and we dropped a batch as a gift for Christmas. So we've 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 gone through four batches at present. All right, but I still have time to mint, right? Because I, I, I was not around for those mints. <laughs> no man, you're out. <laughs> no. Uh, no. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I think what we're gonna do for the bosses, we one of the things that we sort of uh underpromised and overdelivered on is the uh, like you said, if you're if you're holding a boss, you're going to get a bunch of benefits. One of which is you get a copy of it on Solana in the collection, oh, cool. which will maintain rarity. Right. The other thing is you're going to get a boss with a face. So none of our pieces have faces. We're actually going to have a, a face for every boss. So those two pieces we owe you. And then <clears throat> what we're going to do outside of that is basically until we hit the thousand piece mark, we're going to let the bosses mint for 10 cents probably from here until 1000 and then when we hit 1000 we're going to open it up to the public at that point <clears throat> and so uh um from there <clears throat> so you have plenty of time to to mint your your promised 10 uh you'll you'll be able to get those and then some cool i just i just put my inscription into the uh into the thread of this um of this space if anyone wants to check out the art it, it's pretty cool it's really cool oh yeah i see it, yeah maria you check this out right nice. this uh, collection yes and actually i'm putting it on the jumbo troll for everyone to see so you can show off in front nice. of yeah. all the audience yeah and i'll uh, i'll drop my personal profile in here it's um Archer opines. I'll just post it in here. If you look at the profile pic on that account, that's that's my favorite in the bunch. Just to kind of give you an idea. But yeah, and then you so so you mentioned that, and you gave a good overview of basically how the project is structured, and we talked a little bit about IP rights and making sure that people get taken care of. And so what we've done is we've gone back in time, so to speak. We've traveled back and found these artists. We've had them sign legal documentation granting us IP rights to the artwork. And so now we own that exclusively. And as part of that agreement, we pay them forever for their royalties for, for from here on out. And every single person that we work with, we try to create a, a similar deal. And over time, as we grow the population, 
and you know continue to grow this little core group of exclusive collectors and entrepreneurs and artists you know those are the types of people who are going to hold the stuff and make sure that it maintains value so at the end of the day everything we we do we want to make sure it's high quality so again the 100 at a time is harder for us to do we have to do every single time we do that we have to create a one of one we've got to create a bunch of individual unique pieces we we've also added traits which is really kind of cool when you meant this way you can actually add to the look of your collection so you're not locked into one collection you don't have to do artwork quote-unquote upgrades you can add in traits you can add in backgrounds whatever you want to do to actually evolve your collection over time which we thought was really a slick idea and so to that end as those pieces uh, continually meant to our bosses what we're also doing is we're acquiring other collections behind the scenes. So I've got, we, we also own the Ladies, which is another 10,000 piece collection we haven't even begun to mint yet. And just this week, I've gotten uh, access to another 8,000 piece collection, which is a really slick piece, uh, a really slick artwork uh, collection from a, an artist out of Europe that was in the music space. And then I should have another collection coming on next week. So all of these pieces, our bosses are going to be able to basically mint for free just by token minting. And concurrently, because we're doing batch mints and none of this, you know, throw everything at the market, we'll have batch mints that are token based and we'll have batch mints that are like um, Solana based so that people who aren't a part of the collection can can come in and people who don't feel like they got what they wanted for free, can go in and mint something else if they want to keep going and build their families quicker. So there's really kind of a, a, a few things that we're doing, but it all centers around us owning the IP and then extending those rights to the end user. And so I'll just stop right there. And then if you guys have any questions, I'll answer them. And I can talk a little bit about the exclusive collections that you were talking about. Yeah, earlier. for sure. I have questions about how the IP even works in the NFT space because it's it's probably a whole lot of gray area, I would imagine. So I'm an artist. I mint a 10K generative collection. It sells out. Everybody's, everybody's happy. Um, there's no two pieces that look alike. One community member wants to take their nft and make it the logo for their business another community member wants to make, take that nft and make t-shirts and someone else is using their nft to you know be the uh, like painted on the side of a race car right for for nascar who, right. who who owns the art who's allowed or not allowed to do what and is there anything the artist or the founder can do about it if a community member is using the artwork in a way that they don't want them to or is each NFT just like property and it can be leveraged in any way by the holder? Yeah, so I mean, it, a lot of this depends on the jurisdiction you're operating in. But in general, again, and I'm speaking very generally, when a creator, whether it's music, movies, you know, NFTs, paintings, whatever, when a creator fixes something into a static format, then technically the creator at that point has copyrighted that work. Okay. okay, And so um, unless and until those uh, rights are conveyed to a third party, then you don't own anything. And so the gray area is that in NFTs, when you, especially if you're doing a generative collection, your artist is basically creating pieces of an image. And then a program is assembling that image somewhere down the line and minting it to 
a third party. So the question or the gray area might be, okay, well, because it was, you know, actually assembled by a machine, do those rights convey back to the artist? And basically, the arguments that I've seen say that they do. Now, that doesn't mean you can't argue one way or the other and go to court and argue one way or the other. You'd spend a bunch of money over bullshit. (laughs) But the, the safest way to ensure that you, you know, have IP rights is to make sure that you buy artwork from someone who literally says, we own this and we've got in writing that we're granting these rights to you. So if I go to an artist and I say, hey, I want you to create XYZ for me. I'm going to do it one of two ways. The first and easiest way is to make sure that it's work for hire. So if I say, okay, I need this artwork work for hire, meaning you work for me and I'm paying you to do this and you don't own anything. It's just mine. In that case, it's really easy. Work for hire is always mine. It's always the purchasers. If it's okay, we're going to do a deal where you get a percentage of mint and a percentage of royalty that complicates things a bit because now the artist is going to retain rights and extend those rights to me as a user or buyer or an exclusive holder. We're, we're getting into the area now where I think for the typical NFT, we're going to have to separate, yeah. we're going to have to separate the, the token from the artwork almost. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, a, the typical NFT buyer owns nothing. Well, do they own the metadata that's, associated with the token that's in their wallet not really because if you think about it if i'm uh let's say i hold update authority on goodfellas which i do if you buy something from me right you're trusting that i'm not going to go back in there and change it if you owned it you would be able to change it okay i see what you're saying so then technically let's say there's a let's say there's an nft collection let's just say (laughs) this is hypothetical like um, the tokens are used in a DeFi protocol, let's say. I mint out a 1,000 NFTs. I have a 1,000 customers that each buys one. Those NFTs collect a royalty, let's say, or a percentage from a DeFi protocol that I built mm-hmm. with the money from that mint. If I'm yes. the artist and the founder, and technically I own the rights to those NFTs, what's to say I can't come back later and 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 demand that those those revenues are then paid back to me there had to be something in writing i guess it has to be a lot more official than your typical like telegram post or discord infographic yeah for sure i mean if we were getting into the realm of actual business then yeah everything would be documented and the, the i mean the truth is in the world of legality you can sue anyone for anything right like a uh, if it's civil, I mean, I can accuse you of anything and then basically you're on the hook to prove that you did or didn't do the thing. Uh, if it's criminal, that's a different story. If there's an actual line that's been crossed. And so the question would be, has an actual legal line been crossed? And if the answer is yes, then you could have a criminal case. But if the answer is no, you can sue anyone for anything in civil court. So, I mean, the, the, the best way to go is to always make sure that you have some documentation that at least shows intent. Like I intend for this person to hold this thing and earn with this thing or whatever. Right. But the problem is no one does that because in a lot of jurisdictions that would, that would um, get, get some unwanted attention, right? 
Well, I mean, it's all going to get unwanted attention eventually, so it just comes down to what future are we planning right, for. Right, right, right. See, I, I happen to think that the collections will be fine. I think the marketplaces are going to be where the uh, regulations hit the hardest, and then there'll probably be a massive shakeout. I don't think they're going to go after individual artists and founders unless the collections are just like board ape you know, level or something like that. But the, the marketplaces, do they have any responsibility or liability with respect to IP ownership, right? Yeah, they do. They definitely do. And I mean, the fact that, I mean, you mentioned this at the top of the, of the show, um, you know, when I was able to take our documentation to Magic Eden and say, hey, you know what, you're making money on shit that you don't own. And I want you to take it down. And they were, we went back and forth for about a month. And then they finally said, okay, we, we understand and we're going to pull it. So they pulled the old artwork and can't be listed on their, their platform, right? So they understand and they see that there's a problem there. And probably if they wanted to, they could have just kept doing whatever they wanted to do and just dared me to sue them, right? But they just said, okay, well, this is the right thing to do. And, you know, to their credit, I really didn't expect them to do that. And, you know, having, I, I, I screenshotted that whole conversation just so I could have it for posterity state. Cause I didn't really think that it was going to yeah, happen. I'm surprised actually. We had a little celebration. Well, I, think they're, I think they're based yeah. in the U S so they probably are, are less likely to um, even want to be threatened with, with a lawsuit. Right. They, they're, they're just like, you know what, let's just, what do we, we're not gaining millions from this collection. It's, we don't know what kind of tweet will go viral or what kind of bad PR you know, businesses in general are very yeah. skittish in the United States. They're afraid of like one bad Google review, never mind like a lawsuit. Yeah, but you're absolutely right. I think, you know, initially when when regulation comes into play, you know, no matter the country, they're going to go after the exchanges first. It's kind of like I was talking to my partner about this the other day on a podcast, you know, like back in the gold rush days, you had people running across the country, risking life and limb to go dig in a hole for gold and silver. And in most cases, they ended up dead and broke. Right, but both, you, you said right? something else in the podcast. I listened to the, the, the first episode. The, the next part is good. So who made the money, right? <laughs> yeah. The, the, the guys who sold the tools to those fuckers are the ones who right, made the right. money, right? And the exchanges are the ones selling the tools to all of us poor people out here, you know, trying to build a collection or build a business or build some sort of organization. I have a question actually from Maria. Um, have you ever had any issues when it comes to intellectual property, your art getting copied or issues with the platforms? Cause you've minted on like four or five different exchanges, sorry, four or five different blockchains at least. Do you have anything as from the artist's point of view? Actually, recently I have an issue that a few people are making their own version of my ladies. And to this, STC can agree with me because it's actually her PFP, which is one of or Women from Cosmos 101. And suddenly I was seeing like this new, um, you know, like new piece, whatever. And I was literally seeing my lady. I was like, what the hell is this? Like, what the fuck? Because, you know, like... <laughs> Seriously, I am starting to get mad at this because I collab before with other projects and they did their own version of my ladies and that's fine. But at least send me a fucking DM. Like, have they contacted you? Because they didn't contact me. And I was like, well, this is 
disrespectful and then i don't know at least tell me hey i love this piece i want to recreate it nothing well you're you're in a, actually a slightly different situation because most of your pieces are hand drawn you've only done like one maybe two generative collections so you literally put every every pixel on the on the page right you you're responsible for everything so i'm curious have you taken any measures to protect your own artwork or can you actually i don't and i really would love to learn more about it because it's what that um i was gonna say that fedas oh my god i'm obsessed with that project it's what the good fedas said like at the end in the future it's gonna happen and i'm seeing it already right like i'm not gonna go behind people uh, sending them to the court because i'm from spain and there you do nothing like <laughs> i mean i'm still waiting for go to the court because one guy tried to break the door of my car and it's been already for years so i expect nothing about that but at least at least to you know to abroad to have the security that yes i own this you know like it's under the copyright or something i don't know how to do it to be honest being 100 percent honest here with you like, right well that's that's where maybe like <laughs> a launch pad or a marketplace can offer some at least some generic type agreements that artists can um choose I mean, to enable right? yes i mean marketplace what they ask you to sign is obviously that you're owning the rights and so on and so on because then if not you can be sued and wah, wah, blah 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 but they don't actually give you an opportunity to maybe you're interested to this i don't know i really don't know how to do it and i should start thinking about it in the future because i definitely want to at least protect my art well, what what can she do then because you you obviously did a, a big deep dive to get to the bottom of this and um kind of hash out what's clear what's gray area what's possible where should maria start uh to me you mean yeah 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 so um my experience from this comes from the music world. I have, uh, I've had a, one of my first businesses was uh, web development. And my, I, one of my original clients is a music licensing company. So pretty much anything you've ever seen on television, they have music in. So like if, uh, for example, if they need something that sounds like ACDC, but the, you know, produ the producers don't want to spend the money to get an ACDC tune, they'll license something from these guys that sounds a lot like it, right? And um, basically what they do is they'll create a piece of music or, or what have you. And it's a simple form that they fill out and just file it at the Library of Congress. Basically just mail in a form or send in a form. And that's pretty much it. But it's just basically proving that you are the creator of that thing. And I think nowadays that's probably even unnecessary because with something like Bitcoin, what we've done is you can say, okay, well, um, I have this unique piece or this unique uh, work of art that I want to protect or this unique idea. You can literally just inscribe it to chain and it can never be removed or changed. And that's your proof that you created it before anyone else. That's really all you have to show. Yes, that's right. My only issue will be like my pieces are too big for inscribe them. But 
Yeah, you're right on that. I don't know. I don't try know. Doge. I, I really was. Put, put them on Doge. Yes, don't sell me your bags. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Solana opened up inscriptions, which has been kind of an interesting experiment as well. Yeah, I think Solana did it like the week before Cosmos. And it's definitely interesting when proof of stake goes that route, right? Because proof of stake is yeah. a lot less immutable than proof of work. We've had um, issues where um, a blockchain validator set voted to confiscate funds from, from a whale wallet that was like $250 million or some shit. So that is wow. not happening on Bitcoin. Definitely not happening on Doge. No. So like inscriptions are like, maybe they're like NFT plus or something like that. They're not completely immutable on some of these other chains. The interesting thing was just like the, the quality of buyer and the quality of the population. And when I say quality, I'm just referring to what people are willing to invest. So for example, I think Bitcoin hit something like 55 million inscriptions this week. I think last time I looked. We started inscribing Goodfellows when they were at 21 million. Um, Solana is still sub 100,000 and they've been live now for a few weeks. And I think the reason for that is because when you mint a Solana NFT, it costs you, you know, a few pennies. But if you inscribe a Solana NFT, you're going to, you're going to spend 30, 40, 50 bucks, depending on the size of the mm -hmm. file. So like uh, when those inscriptions hit, like I, you know, I've done this on Bitcoin already, but I went ahead and took all of our branding IP and I inscribed it to Solana just for shits and giggles. So I'd have some experience with it. And it cost me like five or six hundred dollars to do five twelve by five twelve size images that were very small. Um, and I think I did 12 images and it was, yeah, it was close to six hundred bucks. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Solana is telling you who they are because, you know, they've they've stuck, I think, at 96 or 97,000, and they've been there now for this entire last yeah, week. Yeah, it's, it's, it's different when, I mean, the, the, pretty much the way I look at inscriptions and BRC20s, this is Bitcoin's way of getting around the fact that they don't have smart contracts. So for like a smart contract mm -hmm. platform to do inscriptions, it's going to be like a clunkier way of just doing normal DeFi native tokens and, and exchange exchange assets. So I don't think they'll do great in in proof of stake, especially on Solana, which I, I consider more to be like a like a DeFi chain because the gas fees are so low. But mm -hmm. Cosmos doesn't have any smart contracts. There's almost no purpose to the blockchain other than it it it's secure and it can lend security to other chains basically for a fee. And that's what it does. So inscriptions on Cosmos is interesting because it gives it some, some differentiating, you know, component compared to the rest of the ecosystem. Solana, maybe Solana is just big enough to where they should just try everything, just whatever. There'll be a there'll be a market for everything because there's so many users. But I definitely didn't get that excited for proof of stake um, inscriptions compared to when I first understood how Bitcoin inscriptions work. But that's just me. Yeah, no, no, I'm in the same boat as you. You're you're absolutely right. I mean, I just thought it was interesting that the price point jumps so drastically because now you're actually taking up space on chain. And so people are having to literally buy this real estate. The only interesting thing that I thought was was kind of cool about the way Solana does it is you can actually update the inscription. So 
you let's say for for example you have a piece you want to inscribe well you first create an nft and then with that nft you then use the same um, data and image to create an inscription and that nft is sort of your key to the solana inscription and if you lose the nft or burn it then that inscription is just sort of abandoned right um, but if you keep it and let's say you wanted to change your inscription you can actually go in and rewrite the data yeah, that is interesting. And I know this, I know Solana just rolled out a very, um, I would say comprehensive appeal to real world business, real world use case and all that with their token extensions. Was, was this made possible because of the token extensions? The, the or is it a separate no, protocol? Not, the, the inscription yeah, piece you mean? Yeah. I'm not super sure if those are related. I, I think from what I gathered, there's like this one lonely coder probably sitting in his mom's basement, you know, writing angry letters to the government beside a, his bare bulb, you know, on a lamp. And uh, he just basically got enough people behind him at Metaplex to say, hey, I need some help. I want to do this thing. And the next thing I know, this one guy who somehow induced these other coders at Metaplex to join in the fray. And they came together and, and Metaplex launched this thing. But I'm not sure if it's related to what you're talking about. Got it, got it. Yeah, I plan to go through the, the token extensions on my live stream on Monday because I thought that um I thought they made a really good case to become like the blockchain where businesses would deploy or where traditional investors with a little bit of tech know-how could get involved in some more um intricate features whether it be privacy or or whatever the whatever the different token standards are going to allow them to do plus with the low fees you know super high volume trading blockchain would be a, pretty much like where i see solana in a you know in a year or two compared to others like we have, in cosmos we have injective that's kind of like that super high volume you know even microtransactions and all that i think it's then there's another one called say but I think they're all trying to match or trying to attract the same clientele as Solana. But I don't think they'll, I think Solana to me just looks more like a business and it looks more, bit more attractive to other businesses. So I was just curious. Yeah, I, um, I, th I agree with you. I think Solana has probably some of the best um, legs, I guess you'd say to stand on in the business world. And there's actually an update that's going to be rolled out I don't know when it's called fire dancer and it basically is going to more than double the speed of the, the blockchain. So it's basically going to turn Solana into a standard database. Like at the end of the day, a blockchain is a database. So if we can speed it up and make it operate as quick as something like, you know, Oracle or SQL, then you can do all your business on the blockchain. I'm not sure if that's of benefit to many businesses, but when you start throwing in the mobile, like, you know, they've got the Saga phone, they're about to release the second version of that. And with the speed increases and with everything going mobile, I mean, I think Salada stands to eat up a lot of chains for sure. Yeah, yeah, I, th I think you're right. Um, and, and I always thought of blockchains as databases as well. I feel like if you, if you look hard enough at a um, spreadsheet, each page, of this of the of the workbook is kind of like a block and then every cell is a transaction with all that that data 
the problem is most blockchains, all those cells are empty. <laughs> there's like there's like no transactions on a lot of blockchains <laughs> other than you know wash trading or taking rewards from inflation and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean Solana's in a good place. Do you have a bead on the rest of the NFT scene or are you more concerned internally with the way Goodfellas is going? Like are there worthwhile partnerships? Do you see a trend emerging or anything like Can that? you um can you just repeat that last like 30 seconds that uh, you cut out for some reason? I couldn't hear anything you said. Oh yeah, sure. I was just I was asking if you have like a bead on the rest of the Solana NFT landscape, or if you're just mostly internally focused with with Goodfellas, just curious if there are any trends that people should look out for, anything interesting over there that maybe if you're not in the Solana ecosystem regularly, you would find interesting enough to go over and check out. Yeah, I mean, I think um, from, you know, at the highest level, on Solana, you have so many different options. Um, there's a ton of different creators, and then you have the DeFi landscape. You've got the uh, application side of things. I mean, there's a thousand different things that you can get involved in. And I think, you know, whatever your flavor in the world of blockchain, Web3, tech, whatever you want to call it, I think if you if you have a particular flavor, I would just start looking for people who are exploring that on Solana. Because the truth is, it's it's so multidimensional that trying to pigeonhole it in one direction or another, I think is pointless. I think at the end of the day, it's going to spider web into many, many different things. I think NFTs will probably be the least of it at the end of the day um, until we reach tokenization. So where I see you asked about NFTs, I think where the NFTs going is I see 99% of them go to zero. And I see that basically is in front of the wave not doing, not pandering to the free shit brigade, um, give he rights. Um, you know, you look at somebody like OK Bears, for example. OK, Solana Blue Chip. Well, they have huge brand partnerships and they have their product in multiple retail stores, like high end retailers around the world. And they're trading for, I don't know, 13 or 14 or 15 soul. You know, while you've got other projects that are trading for, six or eight or 10 times that that really don't have a snowball's chance in hell of success. Shit. And so I think, I think what we're going to see is we're going to see the market ultimately mature and seek value. So like today, for example, if I'm looking at like someone I would like to own on Solana, um, I'm looking at um, Catalina Whale Mixer, right? And these guys have partnered with Def Jam Records and they're putting out music. Okay. So Def Jam actually tweeted them today and I look at their price and they're trading for three or four soul, right? And again, Johnny, Johnny utility guy over here that's doing the same thing as 15 other utility guys is trading at 10 or 20 or 30. That's going to zero and mm -hmm. something with, with a strong brand partnership that's backed by a business is gonna survive. So what I see is I'm buying businesses, not ideas and beliefs, which is what most people are buying. I think most of the meme tokens almost all of them go to zero almost all nft projects go to zero and i'm looking for actual businesses so i i own okay bears i own catalina whale mixers i bought a shit ton of uh goodfellas ordinals and i'll be putting a lot of my money and time into that obviously and any other business that i run across droid is another good one these guys do a lot of like private investment um, and they, they do great. So I'm looking for businesses, not, you know, belief systems, really. 
Yeah, I think one of the problems with NFT projects is these these guys, especially early on, were launching these projects that ended up being pretty big, not even realizing that they're they're businesses, that or they should exactly. be business minded. Like you know, you're selling something to somebody that's your customer, right? Mm-hmm. If you want to just sell standalone art, that's great. People will appreciate the art. They'll probably follow you from chain to chain, mint your collections, and you you build a brand that way. But for me, kind of to piggyback on what you said, I, I definitely see NF, a lot of NFTs going to zero as well as a lot of native assets on different chains. And what I mean, the not, not even the price going to zero, just the, the trading volume go to zero. There, there will be no liquidity for 95 plus percent of the collections. I think the only way to have value as an NFT collection long-term is number one, either you have historical value like punks or something like that. Number two, you are the most popular PFP collection on your blockchain by far. And then number three, your business that just uses the NFT technology to enhance the business. The Or the business can't just be, I'm going to keep minting collections of NFTs until my community find something more interesting to uh to do so there's like three ways really nfts can make money right and i would throw in there with historical significance is standalone art that becomes collectibles especially if you have a creator who is not promising all this crazy utility and people just Mm -hmm. like buying the collections because they like the artist and the artist's work so there's that as well so a hundred percent hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I see that as well. I mean, that's really where we're at with Goodfellas because at the end of the day, we want to create, you know, if you look at our website, it says we're looking for artists, collectors, and entrepreneurs. We're looking for those people because those people are going to hold the work and not flip it for a hamburger, you know, at McDonald's. They want to hold the work. And why am I holding the work? Well, if I look at every collectibles market from here back through history, you know, take the most recent ones like um, baseball cards or comic books or, you know, muscle cars, you know, depending on your price level, wherever you want to play in that game. It's the early, it's the rare, it's the unique, it's the ones who did something different that are valuable. You know, like I I have a comic collection of like 17,000 books, okay, and it's unfortunately scattered in a, in a room here in my house taking up too much space. <laughs> and And the truth is, 99% of those comic books are going to be worthless. Yeah, nobody there's going to be, yeah. that's right. There's going to be one or 2% that are going to be extremely rare and valuable that will make up the difference on the, on the rest. So, you know, it's in, and I think NFTs have kind of become the baseball cards of tw- of the 2020s. Mm-hmm. You know, if you look at the nineties, there was this massive glut of, um, of print baseball cards thrown at the market and the market said enough, we're sick of this shit. And the prices went to zero, like nobody wanted them. And then all of a sudden, you know, five or six years ago, there was a resurgence in people who could now afford the collectibles that they couldn't afford when they were younger and they wanted the early stuff. And so next thing you know, we have a baseball card boom. Yeah, I think the same thing is going to happen with NFTs, you know? I, th- I think that has to do with people like our age now having a yep. lot of disposable income and being nostalgic, right? Because if you, if you really pay attention to almost every TV commercial – Everything is marketed to someone who's about like in their, you know, let's say 40 to 55, who's right. You know, that every single item on TV is, is, That's is, right. is marketed to us because, you know, whether it's like the music in the background of the commercial or the actual item they're selling. And I think um, I see baseball card shops, three, four of them 
within like a 10, 15 minute drive to my house. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like who is buying this shit? Meanwhile, I'm like, damn, I want to go in there one day when I'm bored. Yeah. Cause I have, I have some comic books. I didn't go crazy with comics, but like around the mid nineties, like you said, um, baseball cards became absolute shit. And, um, I just kind of lost interest because they were, like I said, it wasn't fun to collect them because they were not worth anything. And back in the day, there was no secondary market. You would just kind of buy a magazine that told you how much the cards were worth. And then you would just sit there like, okay, I have this card. This is worth 10 bucks. I have this card. It's worth 80 bucks. And you, you had like a, you were, you were basically hoarding, right? <laughs> Cause there, there wasn't uh -huh. really a marketplace. You had to connect with somebody to do it. I hope some of these things are worth money because I definitely have some 80s baseball cards at my parents' house, it's like sealed in the boxes and whatnot. But the 90s baseball cards are, are absolute trash. It's just um, because of overproduction. And like you said, the art might not be redundant and, and overproduced, but this everyone's chasing the same utility. So it's like uh, if I'm a holder, do I mint the new thing with the, with the utility or the old thing with the same utility and the proven team? Do I do I buy off the secondary market? Do I mint new and you're spread really thin? There's just not, I don't, I don't see there being that many customers for NFTs right now um, until we get into yeah. full bull swing. So I think the way you're doing the collection is right. You're spreading it out in these windows. It's manageable for people. Um, and um, taking care of the people who in the beginning of the project didn't come there just because they wanted something for free. They came there for the actual, the, the long road ahead, which was, Resur having a resurgence of this rug pull, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you've, you might have touched on this before. Um, I've, you know, watched a, a few of your videos. I know you talk a little bit about market trends from time to time. Yeah. But the, the truth is like, if you want to do well financially in any market, then you have to be ahead of where the masses are, not behind them. And, you know, most of the people who come into an NFT collection at Mint or just after Mint, they're already too late. Oh, so, yes. like, monetarily, they're going to lose. Peak, I think right? peak engagement, so, I would say peak engagement for an NFT <laughs> collection is the day before the Mint. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, today, for example, I was just going through all the rugs that I've got on Discord, you know. And I stumbled across Ubic, which I had a lot of faith in. And of course, you know, they let me down. But they turned this one channel into a, like an alpha calls channel. And there was a whitelist for, was it called Vector or something like that? And I'm like, okay, well, I'll take a look at this thing and see what it is. And I haven't bought any Solana NFTs other than Goodfellas for basically a year. So I went in there, I looked at it. It's doing some, it's doing good. It's trading. I'm like, okay, I meant this for 50 cents, 50 soul cents. I sell it for 400. Right. So I minted it half a soul, sold it for four soul, literally three seconds. I didn't even I didn't even like go to Magic Eden to sell it. I just sold it straight out of Phantom Wallet for whatever the the offer was, right? Whatever the default offer was, right? So I can see why people do that. Like they wanna, you know, they wanna flip, they wanna pick up some money, this sort of thing. But at the end of the day, like what is the highest and best use case for blockchain? It's not this. No, no, no. Right? It's 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 tracking. It's royalties, it's licensing, right? It's it's basically provenance, if you will, if you're into the art artwork world. And so what I what we want to get in front of is the wave into quality and the wave into doing things right. And so, you know, if we're doing a, a small run, we want to number the run. We're not just gonna do a bunch of computer generated digital prints. Like it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't mirror real world, doesn't create any uniqueness. 
And what I see is a lot of people just taking shortcuts so they can pick up a few bucks. And of course, that is never going to be sustainable. So if we go all the way back to first principles, like, and just look at what is highest and best, it's trackability, it's licensing, it's royalties, it's provenance. Anything on top of that is just a bonus. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When I first started doing my YouTube channel, I, a friend and I were like, why don't we try to come up with a system of metrics to to actually value NFTs? Because the hype is always temporary. I think that like leading up to a mint, the hype peaks. And then when the mint happens, it becomes predatory with the flipping. So we tried to come up with categories. And in the end, in the end, I realized like, well, people people kind of like these good projects kind of accidentally hit these categories. They all started as hype, right? They, they all started. Mm -hmm. So it's like people want that, and, but it's still long-term. It's not sustainable. Yes. Once in a while I'll buy an NFT just cause I on site, I like it almost like if you're walking through a casino, you put five bucks in one pull of a slot machine. That's kind of the thrill that you get. But in the end, people are going to look back in their wallets. Like, wow, I got 550 NFTs. These six are cool. These other 500 whatever are absolutely nothing. What was I thinking? Or what was somebody else thinking even making this? I wonder where this guy is now after selling this collection out and disappearing, right? So I don't know. I think you're right. I think you have to use the NFT itself to complement something, but use the blockchain for what it's good for. And I think um, the idea is to be around for a long time. Anybody can pay for some shills and hype something up at the right time and, you know, make 50 K in in a single day of minting and then disappear. It's not, it, you're going to just turn away customers at the end. Yes, no, 100%. You know, like I really love your idea of batches is what something similar what they did i did it because i didn't have the technology to mint more on the same collection like being clear here and honest but i really love it because at the end of the day you really like curate your community you know like um i completely agree on everything that you said like i rather have people who really invest on me because they love my art, they love what i'm building and not because they want to come and flip and so because to be honest, I mean, I still nowadays don't understand the DJ mentality. Most probably because I'm not one. But I'm seeing people flipping NFTs from $1 and I still don't understand it. Like, why? Like, <laughs> it is worth your time? Because definitely it's not worth my time. So, yeah, I completely agree on that. I think that at the end of the day, also, when you want to invest in something with quality, Obviously, you're not going to give it for free for everyone to try and to jump in, right? So, yeah, really interesting. I, I've been loving the conversation. I was eating in the background from the meantime, so really great. Well, eat away, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's, you know, you mentioned the word curate the community. And it's funny to watch so many projects jump into the space and uh, claim that they want to you know, build a certain type of community or a certain type of utility or a certain type of atmosphere around the thing that they're building. But then their pitch to everyone is, oh, everyone, it's it's all free. Everyone come in, everyone, everyone, everyone. 
And it's just like coming from the marketing world. Like if, if you understand marketing at all, you know, marketing to everyone is marketing to no one. And I, you saw this. I don't know if you guys follow the D God saga at all, but um, you know, they started on Solana and then moved to ETH and, you know, Frank did all these posts. I think it was late last year where he was talking about trying to elevate the brand, how he's, we're not looking for everybody. We're just looking for 10,000 cool people across the globe NFTs are luxury items, blah, blah, blah. And he was going this luxury route. Well, the community that he has came from Solana and they bought when those NFTs were cheap and basically not worth that much. And they timed it just right. So when he tried to shift gears, he had the inertia of this community that he created that lives in free shitland, and they don't want that. And so they rebelled, and there was this big hullabaloo last year with D-Gods, 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 they're not what they used to be, blah, blah, blah. They should go back to Solana, blah, blah, blah. And Frank took a lot of heat for that. But he was absolutely right, and he's trying to do now what I'm sure if he had the project to do over again, he would have done to begin with, which is gate who comes in the door. And I think too many times we get caught up in this idea of, oh, I've got to have 20,000 people in my Discord. Well, why? Like, I, you don't need 20,000. You need like three committed people. That's really all you need to get it started. And if what you're doing is good, they'll tell other people and they'll tell other people and they'll tell other people. So for me personally, like, when I look at a lot of communities, I see the communities as more of a liability than an asset. Because if, if they're pigeonholing you as a, as a founder in the direction that you want to go and they're rebelling and they're flooring their stuff because they're pissed off, I mean, you're never going to get anywhere and you're locked into that. So uh, curation, that word that you mentioned is super, super key. And that's one of the things that, you know, in the face of a lot of negativity, Honestly, like we lost a founder, we've lost a bunch of people over the fact that we won't sacrifice that that value system where we're not just going to do free shit and hire influencers to bring people into Discord. And honestly, I don't care if there's two people in Discord or 2,000 people in Discord, so long as who's there is on the team. 100%. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I realize and I don't understand either, like why people are so obsessed with this core you know because i've been helping other teams as well and they're always worried like oh this core is quiet oh this core whatever my discord has been like pretty quiet all the time till we come to polygon and let me tell you i prefer my discord quiet that i can run i can check everything that jumping into the server i'm not knowing with who i'm talking you know, like I'd rather know actually well who is talking to me, who is typing to me every day than having 100 new people. In fact, recently this this week, I think it was, um, I don't remember because seriously, I don't know in which day I'm living anymore. But I went directly to remove like a bunch of people from the Discord. Like I don't need all of this. Like if you're lurking here, if you're not saying anything, like... I'm so sorry, you're going deleted here. If you don't even have a PFP or, or something, you're going to be banned, which is the next step. Like, I don't need all of that, right? And also, obviously, Discord, and more that we're seeing every day, like having issues or people with account compromise, you want as well to be, you know, safe and trying to keep your community as as much safe as you can, let's say. So... Yeah, I, I never understood that. Like at the beginning, you know, sometimes you kind of feel like, I, it's, it's so 
so quiet but seriously then you think about it and it's like yes thanks god thanks god is quiet because i actually know who is typing me i know that person we've been knowing each other for almost two years rather than hey guys what are we meeting today and never type again i couldn't agree more 100 percent. yeah and uh, i uh i appreciate that I, I felt the same way a lot so um but yeah i mean um I think I've done way too much talking for, for one person today. If you guys have questions, I'm happy to answer them, but I'm just going to shut up and, and let somebody else talk. Well, we've got some other people in the crowd. Maybe, uh, I don't know if Signal wants to come up. Signal's always got good insights in his art. It's not visually similar to Maria, but he does a lot of small, you know, one-off, I would say one-of-one one collections under the 100, right? Under 100 pieces. He might have some good insights as well for for the IP. We had other creators there, but I don't see them now. But I, I don't think I could see the whole room, to be honest with you, because I, I don't... I actually have sure. a question. Like, if you can talk about the special collection that you mentioned before, but you didn't elaborate on that. Did I explain myself? I think he, he went back to look. Uh, oh no! Yeah. Sorry, he's coming up as a listener. I'll I'll shut up. <laughs> My, I can't see everyone, and I and I can't see uh, Goodfellas right now, but he's there. Oh, no, sorry about that. I it I I was I was working on my Jeep earlier, and I had the the back end open, and the sky just let loose with a crazy rainstorm out here in Arizona, so I had to go uh, shut that down. But yeah, so um, the special collections, which of which you're you're going to be a, a, a part of in the near future. Um, what we did was we looked at the marketplace and we saw, you know, the need for um, IP rights, um, highest and best use for blockchain, you know, royalties, licensing, provenance, that sort of thing. And we said, okay, well, the best way to do that is to create high quality pieces of artwork that people would be happy to own. So we don't just have to be a PFP collection who's, you know, building this licensing business in the background. We can actually create cool little works that are kind of related to what we're, to what our pieces already look like, or either bring in artists from the outside and have them do things for us. And when we looked at the additions landscape or the, the print landscape, what we saw was, okay, let's, um, artist X creates piece Y, and then they launch it on, you know, whatever platform they want to launch it on and the way that it works is it's like okay well i'm just going to mint as many as i possibly can as quickly as i can or either i'm going to mint a certain number and i'm going to call it good but in all those cases what's happening is there's a computer program that's just duplicating the artwork it's not the artist didn't actually touch you know 50 prints or 20 prints or whatever they just uploaded one image one time and they're like, okay, well, that's good enough for me. The computer will handle the rest of it and it'll spit out a bunch of copies and give them individual, you know, IDs on the blockchain. And I'm looking at that. I'm like, well, that's kind of low class bullshit because at the end of the day, if I'm into an artist and I met that artist at a gallery or an exhibition and they were, they were signing prints or giving away prints or selling prints, well, those prints would be numbered a, and maybe they're even signed, B, so why don't we mimic that in the real world so that we actually create uniqueness on every single print? So we created uh, a gallery called the 21s Gallery, and 
we're using 21 just as a nod to Bitcoin for 21 million, you know, uh, having cycle 210,000 blocks, blah, blah, blah. And so the 21s are basically 21 prints of an originally uh, of an original piece that's that's not in the collection, but that's unique and sort of bears a resemblance to the collection. And the way that we did it was we created it from a generative standpoint. So every single piece is numbered like one of 21, two of 21, three of 21, actually on the digital work itself. So if you look at the top right-hand corner in these particular ones, there's a light or small numbering system that goes with every single digital copy. And it makes every single print unique. And then again, you know, coming back to human psychology, um, there are people who want all the sevens and there are people who want all the threes and there are people who want all the number ones, you know, and it's really cool to see that when you just take the extra time to do it really high quality and do something well and think it fucking through that people will take an interest. And so having that one little identifier that makes every single print a one of one basically has been the difference in people being interested or people just being like, I don't care. No, I love it. And you know what is the funny part of all of this? Like, you don't know how many times my partner have told me about doing numbers, you know, like, obviously numbered them uh, with additions. Like, but you don't understand because, you know, like, he's really huge into video games and also, like, collecting cards and all of that. And obviously, there is a collector um, bonus there. Obviously, you want to have like just like you said like you want to have all the numbers or you was to have a rather one before having seven for example or something like that and he's been talking about this like seriously for two years and i'm here still haven't done it which is fun enough now he's looking at me with this eyes like side eyes killing me uh, but it's true, it's true and definitely I haven't seen this that much which to be honest surprised me right because it's something that's normal in the collector world let's say like obviously numbers are important it's the same when you're collecting like uh, video games or some like editions are really important which number of the edition you have right if you have one on another it's more expensive so i don't know i i love it i saw you laughing and i really want to hear from you i don't know why you drop into the listener you are you ragging yeah i think we're ragging big time but it's okay so yeah that is what I wanted to share. Like, actually, it's really clever, and I really don't know why it haven't been implemented. Maybe because the majority of people, at the end, and we're going back of what we were saying before, is at the end of the day, the majority of people here buying NFTs are just to try to trade, right? Like, they're not, they don't really have interest on collecting them. Yeah, you're right. I think that there's a, that's a huge element, but I, I think also. Um, any creator, like if whatever you're doing, whether it's artwork or building a business or you're engineering something, any creator uh, should think through why they're creating what they're creating. And if the sole purpose in what you're creating is to support yourself, to pay your bills, 
you know, to basically get something for it, that's not art. That's something else, right? And if you think about it from a consumer standpoint, and let's say that you, you, you get over the fact that, okay, well, this I'm creating for the masses. I'm, this isn't just artwork for me. This is, I'm creating this for the masses. Okay, well, now the mindset should shift away from, okay, what's good for me to what's good for the holder. And so if I think about the digital editions thing, what is really good for the holder is for them to have some uniqueness and to feel special and to enjoy the experience. And so how can I do that? Well, I can take the extra hour and a half and I can do the extra Photoshop work and I can do, you know, the extra uploads and do all the extra bullshit that's going to cost me a couple of hours, but that they're going to enjoy forever. And if you think of it from that standpoint, you know, like the art in that for me is creating an experience for someone else. So I'm doing that for me because I enjoy that and I hope other people would benefit from it. I'm not just doing that so that someone will you know, buy this piece. I'm back, by the way. I just had some trouble with uh, Twitter. So have you heard about the special collection and how they split the different pieces with different editions? No, I didn't hear that. Is, are those the 21s or is that something else? Yes, this one. I did hear about it, but I um. So my my mistake is that my my inscription I bought with my ledger wallet, and I I um. Every time they do the mints, I'm at work, <laughs> or they did one. They did do one on a weekend, and I just completely missed it. So I I have to keep up a little bit better. And um, I did just reset my password for Discord, so I went back into Discord while we were on the call because um. You know, got to be in Discord. It's bull market coming, you know. Yeah, I don't give you more than one week. <laughs> to be honest. I, I love it. I have 3,000 messages. Good Lord. Well, we have here, sorry, I'm, I'm hitting in the, in the background okay. because it's really late here. We have here um, varies and goodies. I mean, this couldn't be a happy hour without some snacks, right? It's not only going to be drink and drink. Um, who we have behind the account? Like Scooby, Reggie? Uh, that'd be uh, me, Scooby, today. How's it going? It's a tough day today, Scooby. Carl Weathers has left us. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long week for me. Um just getting home just recently so um yeah no i just been listening to the conversation and uh i completely agree with uh good uh good fellas there um you know w one of the reasons why i created the you know this collection with reggie is because uh you know some of the stuff that we minted we just weren't really happy with and uh you know i've always been a a collector um you know pokemon cards i said it many times on these spaces so i would kind of relate nfts to pokemon cards because i like collecting them and uh so you know i would mint stuff and you know i just really wasn't happy with it you know you mint some of these collections and they got like five traits and they all look the same and you blew like 40 bucks on them you know so that was one of the reasons why um 
we created this project, you know, we, I wanted to create something that I myself wanted to own. Um, so, you know, we spent, I don't know, can't think of it now, but it was like an absurd amount of time, you know, just creating hundreds of traits. And then, you know, we, we redesigned it three times, redid all the traits again, and then we decided to animate it. And, you know, just to make something that we're proud of that we ourselves love, because, you know, every time you mint something, you know, sometimes you don't mint just one, you'll mint like five or six, depending on the price. And when you mint all of them, they all look the same. You're just like, you know, what the heck? <laughs> so, you know, as you, so we just concentrate on variety and just making them cool and, you know, animating everything, the backgrounds, you know, you know, a lot of these times the backgrounds are just so plain and we just put a, so much work into it and, you know, they're, they're just really cool. And, you know, heck <laughs> we spent, a huge chunk of our, you know, life just making them. And, you know, we, we like the mints to be fair as possible. You know, our second collection with the dragons, we just gave those away because, heck, you know, I, I love them and, you know, just wanted to share it. You know what I think? And then I'm going to pass the mic to the good fellas uh, because I know you have your hand ups. I believe... Scooby and, and maybe we can agree on this. I believe that we uh, maleducated, maleducated. This is not English at all. Uh, help, please. Um, well, let's say like we make people get used to uh, cheap mints, right? And when they are used to cheap mints, they're not gonna buy the pricey one, which to be honest, they are not even pricey because I'm still comparing NFTs on Stargaze to other chains and they are still cheap comparing with what is the actual price for other NFTs, right? And I think we did that mistake. And now it's really complicated to go back. I know that I started with Women from Cosmos and actually I should have kept going doing the same because I started with my idea, like, no, it's one-on-one. No, this is my price because I put all of these hours behind. But I think like when trying to make everyone happy, let's say, and open the doors to everyone, you kind of like dilute. I'm starting to invent English big time here. You, you kind of reduce the value i don't know like now i feel it's more complicated to make people to to pay for bigger prices prices than before when they're coming from a bunch of free mints a bunch of five box mint and also all the crazy expectation of i'm paying i'm paying five bucks please uh, give me the lambo i hope i explain myself i'm so sorry like seriously my english is leaving me today no, I, I, I got the uh, I got the idea. Um, I really think it has a lot to do with the market. Um, you know, like Stargaze, it went from like, what was it? Like, I don't know, 68 cents to like under a penny. So, you know, when cases like that happen, I do feel like, you know, in the bear markets, unfortunately, that's what maybe you have to do to maintain interest because... You know, it, it, it's hard as a creator to just maintain interest in things. You know, it's 
it it it's it, it, it's it's difficult you know um but you know you, you do what you do to get by and you know we me me and reggie we we've never shilled you know we've always just done our thing and if people like us they like us if they don't then you know they don't it's fine it, it doesn't matter but you know we we love what we do and you know we just move at our own pace and do our own thing and you know, we don't typically, you know, go into all the spaces and like, you know, shill ourselves. It, it's, it's extremely rare. You know, I, you, you know, we, we don't really make a lot of appearances on spaces. So, but I do come to your guys. So, you know, I like, you, you know, to you every guys. space you've been on it are ones where we at least mention Bitcoin inscriptions. Those are you, every single one we've done, you've, you've been here. Yeah, I, I still can't believe I got so early into inscriptions. Like, you know, I got like the Pixel Peppy drops. Um, that alone, man, it, it's just all the airdrops I've gotten just from being that early. It's so ridiculous. Like those those runes that I mentioned, like, I don't know, like a week ago, those are like $3,700 now. Which ones are those? The rooms that we didn't go to. Oh, you're talking about the frogs? Yeah, you know what? No, the rooms. The, the rooms are dropped that happened like maybe a week ago. Yeah, I checked. Now. I didn't get that crap. Two weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Where the loser go? Well, I guess, I guess, um, I guess we I are. I mean, <laughs> let's look on the bright side. We, um, we got Solana, some Solana NFT alpha. We got some information about intellectual property artists, you know, possibly need to pay more attention to what happens to their art when they, when they give it away, maybe they could offer more value by officially signing over the IP to the buyers. So there's that. Um, good fellas. I have to, um, I got to keep up a little more. I'll get in on that mint because I have my inscription ready. And um, yeah, I definitely like the, the long-term outlook on a project like this. I like that. Goodfellas is kind of that, that project putting itself in a position maybe to plug some of the gaps that the marketplaces have open to protect artists that are deeply concerned with the intellectual property issue. And now, uh, you know, Maria, I think, um, I think you you should make an appearance on Soul when you get around to it. I'm sure you're not. Um, I'm gonna be soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it'd be a good idea. I think mm -hmm. I think it's a good spot. And uh, and he, he did drop some others. The Catalina Whale Mixer. While I was listening, I was checking out their um, NFTs, and they're my favorite kind. They're ugly as hell, but they actually look like a business. So there's that. Um, and what was the other one? It was Droid. You said okay, I, I missed that other one. Uh, yeah, Droid is uh, like high. These guys are great traders. And so Droid and another project called Revenue Rebels, they're both great for trades and they're actually smart. That, like it, The great thing about Droid is if you go to their Discord, which I'm like you, I almost can't stand being on Discord, but they actually have a reading list. It's like, hey, if you want to be good at this shit, read some fucking books. And it's really kind of cool. But uh, those two guys came together and created another project called Orbitals. So Droid, Orbitals, Revenue Rebels, they're all kind of the same people. You can't go wrong with Got them. Got it. Reading books, man, that's that's so weird in the day and age where you just have to read headlines and you become an expert on things these days. 
<laughs> hey, look, this is what the first five words of the headline says. So now I know everything about this. Now it's, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Maria, I'll, I'll mint your NFT on soul for sure. And, um, yeah, Satoshi Kingdom is always good to have you as well. I think we'll wrap it up. I think we'll wrap it up. I'm going to do my live stream Monday. I'm going to dig into those those token, those new token standards on on Solana. If anyone has not seen their 10-minute video about the token standards, it's definitely worth watching. You get to see how this other ecosystem kind of put itself in the position that it's in right now. Everybody shits on Soul that doesn't use Soul, but like it's if I was an institution, I would be way more interested in soul than some of these other blockchains that you know just not not only from a performance standpoint but just from innovation it looks um it looks like we should spend some time there just checking some stuff out and of course the nfts as well mm, have you checked about the gems from my on soul the gems yes like they're gonna do a drop or something for loyalty people who have been using their platform since I don't remember since when, but at least I think two years or one year at least. I see gems being sold on Magic Eden, but I don't think this is what you mean. No, give me one sec. I'm going to pin it here. Got it. Got it. Well, yeah, I'm going to definitely spend a little bit of time looking at soul. It's, it's, now is not the time to turn a blind eye to any ecosystem. If you have time, I think the best strategy is to branch out, see what else is out there. Um, I looked a little bit at Phantom like a couple months back. I looked at Doge inscriptions. I never bought Doge in my life until like a month ago just to get in on some of those inscriptions. I think people, it's to your advantage to, to learn more about other ecosystems. Also share more information about other ecosystems it makes people kind of more well-rounded. And I think it will kind of raise the standards across the board for like what the end user ultimately is looking for to where they're going to park their money, what they're going to actually invest in. So. Okay. So I play say gems, but they are diamonds. Obviously. I mean, today I'm not saying anything, right, but okay. You get me diamonds as well. They launched their own wallets. Uh, I don't know if you hear about it, but it will be pretty cool if you cover it as well. So maybe you can get more people from there. I'll look at it, yeah. Uh, good fellas. Go ahead. Hello, hello. Oh, we got we got you now. We're waiting for you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I was just gonna say, and I know you guys are getting ready to go. I just wanted to tell you guys how much I appreciated the conversation. It's been fantastic uh, being in a room full of people who are actually considering what's happening in the market from all angles. And you know, to that end, um, you know, as I go on my journey in the space. Um, my name is Jason, by the way. I didn't mean to show up anonymous. I didn't actually, uh, I didn't come as my personal profile. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, I want to continue to make connections with artists and like-minded thinkers. So if you guys want to jump in Discord just so that we don't lose touch, feel free. Um, and I really want to just say how much I appreciate you guys being open-minded to seeing uh, not only the market from a bunch of different angles, but looking at different chains. Um, Bitcoin is special, obviously, at least I think it is. I know we've got some Bitcoin fans on here. And I think last time I was on here, you guys mentioned Stacks. And I think yeah. Stacks is kind of a cool project too. Um, and I just wanted to say, like, if you, 
if you do own stacks, you can actually stake stacks for Bitcoin rewards, which is really kind of slick. And it's, I think it's the only token that you can do that with. And uh, with that said, I'm going to say good night and very much uh, appreciate all of you. Yep. We'll continue to do these. And Marie and I always like to branch out to other ecosystems. Stargaze is kind of like home base, but um, yeah, appreciate you, Maria. Thanks again for uh, staying up late on a Friday and Satoshi always good to talk to you, buddy. Yes. Thank you so much for coming guys again. Sorry for my brain, uh, but you know me, it's going to be fun if not. So hope you're having a really great weekend see you next week i don't know with which guests you need to tell me surprise surprise and i have no idea enjoy your weekend okay we figured ah. out something <laughs> this is how prepared we are uh, enjoy your weekend much love ciao ciao rest in peace call weathers